those um, conditionings, in actual fact, are almost like an unconscious bias now has been formed. And so those biases will actually have an impact on how we're going to uh, handle the situation that's in front of us. So if we're in a leadership role and we've got these biases um, that we've now been conditioned to, is that we will make decisions on performance management, we will make decisions on um, hiring somebody, we'll make even decisions on exiting somebody out of the business. Welcome to Laugh Lonely Podcast Show Season 2. Simplify your systems to amplify your results. I am JC Jeanette Cremor. I interview amazing guests to hear their stories and we share practical advice to plan and implement your business projects. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hi listeners, today I've got with me Maureen. She is a successful and popular facilitator, business motivator and crisis strategist. She's a seasonal investigator of bullying and discrimination who delivers preventive prevention programs, I'll get that right, around the country and drives behaviour and cultural change. She helps leaders and their teams experience success, but more importantly, embrace the concept of a trust-driven performance workplace. She helps people in training programs such as confidence, business risk mitigation, bullying and crisis intervention. I won't say too much more because um, she's with me today and I'm so excited. Hello, Maureen. Hello, Jeanette. Thanks for being here. I'm um, so great to be able to catch up. It's been a few months. It has. It has. This um, pandemic has um, created um, another, in a, another way of um, separating us. Um, in the physical sense. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to um, being on this um, podcast with you today and um, sharing um, lots of um, thoughts and ideas. Yeah, thanks. Look, as I said, you have a huge um, influencing background and um, incredible of the types of organisations that you help. Can you share a little bit about why you started um, Maureen Kind Associates, because um, I think you had a nursing background. I did, um, and it's really quite interesting. So let me sort of take you back to the beginning. Um, I have lived regionally, and I went down to Melbourne and started my nursing career. I met my ex-husband, um, who was in the army, nursed him when he came back from Vietnam, and um, we then started travelling around Australia with his work. And he, he actually didn't like me nursing, would you believe? He thought that um, I had a lot more um, skills. And he said, he used to tell me to get out and use my brain. So when we had our posting to Perth, I did get out and use my brain. I actually took a job as a clerk in a timber yard. And I remember the MD saying to me about three weeks later, what the hell are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm using my brain. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> so he, um, he offered me the role as the sales um, person for the company, which was the Amalgamated Timber Products. And we had, they had their own mill at the time down in Manjimup. And he said, I'll give you this job on one proviso that you do some study. And I was thinking, oh, my God, three young kids at home and a husband that's barely at home. Anyway, so I took the challenge on and went and did um, the timber framing code courses 
uh, did the structural um, timber courses, and then um, started my building um, diploma. So I did that for two years, and it was really amazing, and I loved, you know, being in this new role, which was completely different from nursing. But the two things that were really quite similar was people's behaviour. And then we had a posting to Canberra, so we took off to Canberra, and I then um, took a job with um, Boral Windows as the estimator, and within six weeks had the assistant manager role. Four months later, was offered the general manager role because the general manager was resigning. And the job for James Hardy came up, and it was to manage the both the commercial and residential divisions um, in Canberra and for the whole region. And I really liked the thought of that role, so I went for that and picked that role up, which was just extraordinary. And in that role, um, I was perhaps one of the only uh, few women that were in the building industry. So lots of challenges that came through uh, that, in particular, lots of sexual harassment, lots of bullying from you know guys who thought that being a female that I um, had no right to be in the industry, particularly on the commercial side. And it was through that time, you know, that I then had to really prove my mettle. And what was really wonderful that came out of that was that I then was elected to the Peak Council for the Master Builders Association for six years uh, by my peers within the industry. And then one, um, another gentleman who I had a lot of respect for, then nominated me to sit on the board of construction studies uh, for TAFE, and I sat there for a couple of years. So it was really um, an amazing time to grow within myself. But as a, a young woman, you know, in my mid-30s at that time, I did learn a lot, and I learned how to, you know, manage the behaviour of uh, you know, some quite obstinate men at the time. And then I took a role with James Hardy in Sydney and headed up a, um, an opportunity for them to look at buying um, another product. And after that finished, I then decided that it was time that I perhaps looked out in the wider horizon and, and would you believe I actually got headhunted to head up the healthcare division for an international distribution company. Who by chance oh, just happened to, <laughs> who just by chance happened to be looking for somebody who had a nursing background and a construction background. So how would how would you ever think that um, those two would marry together? But they did, and it was an amazing role because it actually took me on a new journey of being able to look at health from through a different set of lenses, looking at health, you know, from the outside in, and then, and I'm thinking, even back then, thinking, wow, some of the behaviours and some of the things that were put through as nurses, you know, by the surgeons in particular, and that still hadn't changed. But it was a really interesting role. So I had that for seven years. Um, and the saddest part about that was in the last couple of years in that role, I really um, hit a low spot. Um, because there was a senior person within the organisation and he and I clashed. So he actually made my life 
quite and quite miserable. And it was probably the first time ever that I never stood up to somebody um, and called them on their behaviour. And the reason I didn't, because I knew it wouldn't change. Yeah. Um, and what that did to me, though, was that it put me into a state of um, self-doubt, you know, and, you know, not thinking, you know, the best of myself, even though I was managing a $20 million portfolio and had grown that significantly over that seven-year period and increased the margins, you know, astronomically. But at, near, at the end of that tenure, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that was then, then my turning point as to, oh, my God, you know, what am I going to do? And believe it or not, um, during my treatment, uh, this gentleman made my role redundant within the company. So did I actually want to go back you know, to you know, that world again? So on a visit down home here, um, outside of regional, outside of Shepparton, I decided I'd move back home. And so I had the tree change. And it was the best thing that I have ever, ever done. So here I am, you know, um, back home and then decided to start up my own business. Maureen, that is an incredible career. So many, um, like, health, construction, and the fact you had bullying and breast cancer. Oh, my gosh, that's uh, life lessons in a book, isn't it? So if we need to be aware of the behaviours of ourselves and the impact it has on others, what's some things that we should be looking for in the workplace? It's really, it's a, that's a really interesting question because I think sometimes we can sort of be far too rigid, you know, on, on what, what we're actually looking for because I think, you know, as we all know, bullying's been out there for a very, very long time. And, you know, when people want to get, get, a, get, their way with um, cert get the way with certain certain aspects. You know whether they actually want to get a promotion, whether they really just don't like somebody. Uh, you know sometimes the bullying behaviour just comes out. It's just really honestly, it's childish. We might sort of say, you know, as adults we shouldn't bully, but people really do. It's just, and I think the thing is that you know what are we aware of? What what do we really need to be looking at when we're in the workplace? Um, you know, there's all of the normal things, people not turning up for work, people, you know, having more accidents, incidences, people, um, you know, not actually including themselves in uh, lunch, you know, in the lunchtime antics that's taking place. All of those just normal things that we... Uh, take for granted, they are actually always the first sign. It's just, so when we see people, you know, as I said, when we see people in those, in those areas, then it's, um, you know, they are the first sign to be looking for. It's, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not, it's not, you know, we have to have big, you know, bells and whistles actually happening and going, hey, look at that, you know, that's a bullying behaviour. It's all of just that quiet stuff that just keeps going on and on and on. But the thing is that 
while that keeps going on and on and on, usually when people come to me, they sort of say, oh, and it's been going on for years. Okay, so, but when it's been going on for years then, it's actually escalated. So the person who's become the, who's the victim or the target, I actually like using the word target, um, because otherwise you get that victim mentality. So when I go back to when people come back to us in the first place, is that it's been going on for a long time. And so what actually happens is that the person who is the target, their self-esteem, their well-being is actually getting lower and lower and lower and lower. And that's actually when I see and, and I hear from people um, on a frequent basis is that they've attempted suicide. Their, their own personal relationships have broken down. There um, they're, they have been those who have been successful in committing suicide. So these are the really bad fallouts. But you'll also notice that you'll have really good talent leaving, you know, and that that should also be a warning sign. Wow. So it's more not the obvious. And my obvious is I can remember being at school and being bullied. And one of the situations was um, I was in the academic part of the high school and these girls that were kind of a little bit more... Um, adventurous I would say is a word they <laughs> they would lock us in the toilet and throw water bombs and flower bombs you know and we would walk out and or you know and there was worse things but that to me is more the dramatic bullying but you're talking about more the subtle things that we may not be aware of yeah well I think the thing is that we are aware of it and but we just take that as being not the norm and that was that's the discussion I've had with people is that it's become so acceptable, it's the norm. Mm. So again, as I said, it's a subtle behaviour. So what you're talking about as a as a as a girl at school, those people who behave that way in the schoolyard are actually the bullies in the workplace as well. So the behaviour hasn't changed. And I think that that's 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 what we talk about is that we look at people who are conditioned. So those girls have already been conditioned. So now they're going to take that behaviour forward with them and perform that in the same arena in the workplace. That's interesting, Maureen, the fact that we're conditioned, um, our behaviours are conditioned. So as we're in a workplace, is there anything that I should be aware of my own behaviours that might be impacting others? So what's my self-awareness responsibility? That's a really good question because those behaviours, those skill sets that we've been conditioned to during our childhood, during our upbringing with our family, we could have also been influenced by an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. They are the influencing factors that have conditioned our behaviour. So some of us may go into the workplace perhaps a little less tolerant of, let's say, you know, um, gender um, equality. We may go into the workplace um, even with um, discrimination against our own Indigenous um, race here, which I've seen. We can go into the workplace having um, intolerances against new Australians. And so those intolerances, you know, against, you know, other people will, it's something that we actually have to look deep within and go, all right, have I got a bias now? So those um, conditionings, in actual fact, are almost like 
and a, um, an unconscious bias now has been formed. And so those biases will actually have an impact on how we're going to um, handle the situation that's in front of us, particularly if we're in a leadership role. So if we're in a leadership role and we've got these biases um, that we've now been conditioned to, is that we will make decisions on performance management. We will make decisions on um, hiring somebody. We'll make even decisions on exiting somebody out of the business. We make, might make a decision on whether somebody's going to be promoted on the, into the business because of those conditioned uh, thoughts that we actually have and thoughts and behaviours that we have. So I think it's really important for anybody in a leadership role to look at what they've been conditioned to. And also when we talk about those conditions uh, or the conditioning as, as I've initially been labelling it, is that we are conditioned as a young person, you know, through all of those environments we talk, spoke about before. But also when we come into the workplace, let's say as a newbie, you know, we've left the work, you know, left school and we've started in the workplace in 17 and we're all keen and eager to learn everything. And, you know, we're, we're a rising star. With, let's say we're a rising star within the business. And, you know, we've been given promotions and, you know, all of a sudden at 35, you know, 17 years later, we're this, a leader in this organisation. And we're, say, let's say that we're one of the um, exec managers and we've gone through, let's say, you know, seven or eight different promotions within the business. Let's look at every one of those. Oh, God, I can just see a little rabbit outside. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, but let's just say, let me get back on track. Um, but let's, let's just say that at every one of those stages of going through um, working with a new boss or a new leader within the organisation or organisations, depending where the skill sets come from, that person is actually going to be influenced by every one of those people. Mm. So it's another layer of conditioning. So we're adding another layer and another layer and another layer of all this conditioning uh, that we're actually going to be um, exposed to and that we take on. Mm. So that then well, when, when this leader as an exec in the executive management area, I'm not going to need the conditioning that took place when I was in the, um, as a younger person, but now I've got the conditioning that's taken place through my working life over that 17 years. So what are my unconscious biases? What are my biases that could actually have an impact, again, as I said, on performance management and so forth? But are those biases related to all the various layers of legislation that govern the workplace. So we've got the bullying laws, we've got the discrimination laws, we've got, or the anti-discrimination anti, anti laws. We then have uh, sexual harassment, which is now something that's really quite frightening because yesterday I listened to a webinar where 17% um, of people only report, uh, only 17% of people report a sexual harassment claim. Wow. And the, the fear, um, that, 80, that other 83% that aren't reporting those claims, it's fear of reprisal, it's fear of victimisation. And that's all against the legislation as well. So 
it's it's a it's a really um, I, I think it's oh, what what can I sort of say from the perspective is that when I said to you a little while ago that you know I believe that bullying would bring businesses to its knees in ten years time, and like that that was about twelve years ago I said that. Um, I believe that we're already there, mm. and I believe that businesses are really struggling in this climate of chaos and crisis and are really struggling on how to handle all this because we have fair work legislation there that protects the employees, which is really great, but people are afraid to go in and handle some of these situations for fear of a reprisal from some of these um, layers of legislation as well and what the impact that's going to have on the business. Yeah, so, that's so important. And that takes me back to when I was coaching a project team and the project team had um, a complaint regarding um, one, one of their lead people. And my observation was they actually weren't aware of it. So their self-awareness of their um, responses, the way they reacted to things, the way they gave instruction, the way they rewarded the team, was that just this person had no self-awareness that they were actually bullying. They, mm. they just didn't know. And because no one had had, I wouldn't say, you know, the courage, but no one had the time to sit down with this person and say, can I just give you a mirror? Can I just share with you what I'm seeing? Mm. And then also how it's making me feel. And this person hugged me. <laughs> And just mm. said, oh, my God, JC, I didn't even know that that's what I was doing. Thank you for being mm. my mirror. So I've mm. always taken that analogy of helping people see what they don't see in, mm. in those cases. And so when they are conditioned, maybe they don't know they have been conditioned. And you, so you're absolutely, look, I think you, you're right. But what I also see, sometimes people turn around and say, oh, that's me, I'm loud. Mm. You know, but um, when you actually get deeper into the discussion with them, do you say, does somebody ever say to you that, you know, they feel like you're bullying them? And they'll say, well, yeah. But you're right, because nobody's really had the time or taken the time to sit there and have that in-depth conversation and hold the mirror up for them to look in, looking at through a different set of lenses, is that then people do become more self-aware. And I think that what you were talking about there before, how do, how do we, as a leader, when we're in an organisation, how do we, you know, look within and look whether those, those biases, those conditionings are actually impacting the way that we behave, one, as a manager, and two, how do we step into that leadership role? Because we are a manager and we are a leader. You know, and we've got to make management decisions at times. And some of those decisions are tough. And people will call you on that and say, you're bullying me on that. But if you do that in a professional manner and know that you're not allowing your biases to impact or the conditioning that you've gone through to impact on that decision, then you know you're making that from a professional, uh, in a professional stance. Mm, mm. It's such a... Uh, interwoven problem isn't it it's there's not a it's not a singular way that we can look at it it's just totally interwoven is kind of how I look at it it's uh, It's like it's like having that 
Now, when somebody says to you, now let's say when you're seven years of old, seven years of age, and you've been given a jigsaw puzzle, and you know that, okay, it's that size and those pieces are that big, and you can struggle with it. But if somebody threw a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle on the desk at you at seven, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been, you know, no way mm-hmm. can I do that. But that, I think that to me is the complexity of what it is like being a manager. Mm. You're, you're working with a jigsaw puzzle. And so you actually, you just can't sort of pick up a piece and say that fits there or pick up a piece and say that fits there because it doesn't. Mm. We actually actually have to take time to think about it and strategically think that piece is unique and that piece could be the behaviour of a particular person. That piece could be the actual person themselves. And how do we make sure that we're actually putting that right piece, that piece in the right spot so that it fits back again perfectly? And mm. I just wrote um, before we got onto this call, um, somebody's put up on, about trust um, on a feed and LinkedIn. And for me, I look at trust like my, my, my liking to trust is Let's say we have a, bro- a bowl that's been broken, it's shattered, and it, we've got a million pieces sitting there. And if you think about kintsugi, which is the Japanese art of putting bowls back together, so when we put this bowl back together and they would um, join it with a glue and there would be certain pieces that would never fit back in. And once they've got that bowl back together, is that then they highlight all those joins with gold or platinum or silver. So the joins are highlighted. So when we're working with a team, nothing ever looks perfect. There is, this, there is beauty within, and that's why I love looking at, at a, a fractured workplace and rebuilding it in the Kintsugi methodology because I'm now looking at the differences of every individual person every individual piece and saying how valuable is that within my structure within my workplace that's that's a brilliant analogy and already i'm i'm visualizing the gold or the silver threads and how valuable those threads are by bringing everyone together like that's kind Mm. of where i went visually yeah that's that's really good maureen look we're in unprecedented yeah what do they say unprecedented times with covid um, putting that aside though, and I know that's going to impact what businesses are struggling with, but are there a couple of themes that you're seeing that businesses will struggle with immediately and in, in the next few years? I, look, I, that's a really valuable question. And, you know, we've looked at, you know, what are some of the challenges that businesses have got going forward over the next 10 years? And, some of those challenges haven't changed. COVID has definitely thrown a spanner in the works for many workplaces. And I believe that the way that we work will definitely change. That standard, you know, eight to five is out the window. I mm. believe that we're going to have a whole range of different working relationships and arrangements than, than we've ever had before. But I think the challenges that we, that will still be there is employing, you know, employing talent, you know, getting the right talent to fit that pool and 
often you see organisations or businesses putting a, a, a job up on a job ad up on Seek and going, hey, this is the type of person that we're looking for the role, but they really don't have any clarity um, or good clarity around the actual role and what the contribution is that that person is going to make to that role and the skill sets and the attitude that they need to bring to that role. So I still believe that there's a lot of work um, needs to be done around that and I believe that that's where organisations will definitely struggle. And with the globalisation, there are, is an enormous amount of talent that's missed out on uh, because people still um, hire on those unconscious biases or even an outright bias. Oh, then, wow. Yeah, good point. Hadn't thought I, of that hadn't thought of that globally before yes. until you just said it. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. What, what was your next one? <laughs> the, the, the next one is um, I, I'd like to give you, I, there's four that really stick with me at the moment. I believe that this performance management is an area that people struggle with and continue to struggle with. And it's interesting because everybody thinks, you know, oh, we have a performance management review, a performance review every 12 months, and that's it. And, you know, they're setting themselves up for failure time and time again. And it just seems to be an old piece of um, business process that has stuck. And it's like, it's like going and milking a cow and putting the milk in a bucket rather than going and, you know, putting the tick cups on and <laughs> having it all more automated. This whole process is that we actually really need to um, somehow, I don't know, I, I don't know how we can, but we do need to change the discussion around performance management and what that really looks like. It's a whole big piece um, of work that needs to be done, you know, um, out there. The other one that's, that I know that businesses are struggling with right now is COVID has changed you know, legislation just on the run at the moment. And nothing is sort of um, um, sitting as it was. So the modern awards that were created you know, in 2009, I think it was, um, they will definitely change. Mm. I, I only just gleaned across something before that unions are now looking at taking out penalty rates. Um, and that was for the EBA at McDonald's so that we can get more people quickly back into the workplace. So I believe that there will be a shift. I know that there's been a lot of talk around it, but I believe there's going to be a huge shift around penalty rates, um, you know, after 6pm, Saturdays and Sundays, all that. And that, that will definitely happen. And I believe that there will be a massive change in what is deemed to be the normal working hours. So businesses are going to really struggle with the changes in governance, compliance and regulation. And mm. because there's going to be massive changes globally in this space. Yeah. Because the economy is being affected globally everywhere. So the key thing is that we have to get, get this economy going again and that means that we may, you know, and I don't, it's, it's a bit, bit harsh using the word, but we perhaps need to stop being really precious about some of this stuff and get people back to work. Mm. Um, and look at, 
we want to be fair and reasonable and making sure that everybody's getting paid a fair and reasonable wage. We don't want to see people getting less, but we actually want to, I think, remove some of the restrictions that are there that are really hampering how businesses are being run on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Well, for me, to sum that up, powerful um, thinking for me, I'm already going off going, okay, do I need to help my clients with a few things that I hadn't um, thought of? And so one was um, talent. The second Mm. one was um, performance. And the third one was compliance. So Mm. thank you for reinforcing those things that we need to be aware of as we get back to our business as usual. And have we got systems and processes in place that will Mm. help us manage through that? Mm. Wow. Look, you mentioned you got a rabbit. You've just seen it through rabbit <laughs> through the window. We've had technical difficulties getting this recording done. So I appreciate you staying online. We, you are in regional Victoria in beautiful um, outside of Shepparton. How do you go from helping businesses that are in crisis? And that's what you're known for. You are called up to say, Hey, I've got a, major problem and it is a major problem you've shared some of those case studies with me how do you maintain your sanity when you come home to go oh you know i have i have my life what what sort of things do you does maureen do <laughs> um there's a few things that you've actually um uh probably sort of given me a wrap over the knuckles for every now and then um i actually live on two acres and so when I moved into this beautiful mud brick house, there was an awful lot of work to be done. And there still is an awful lot of work to be done after five years. But it is, it's actually my sanity. Mm. Um, you know, I know that when I drive in the drive and I look at the work that we've done around the, the outside in particular is just amazing. So it is my tranquility. It is my escape. But, you know, I love being on the ride on mower and doing all the mowing and things like that until I broke my hand. We won't won't go into that story. (laughs) So so I'm banned from getting on the ride on mower now. Um, But look, I love doing furniture restoration. And um, so I've got a few pieces on the go at the moment. And look, I love to embroider. and, um, And I just love to sort of create you know, my thinking through, you know, another medium. And, um, you know, on the weekends we get in and we do a big cook. A couple of girlfriends come around and we have a big cook-a-thon every now and then. And, you know, it's just all of those things that really help you um, be able to, I think, you know, and I was just using that with a client I had here this morning coaching him. And we were talking about, the you know work-life balance now you know a lot of people talk about you know what is work-life balance but for me it is being able to walk away from the office and find these other avenues that bring peace to my mind and let my you know and let me be you know the person you know I love being Mm, I can't wait to come back and visit that I'm allowed to get in the car and actually (laughs) drive somewhere (laughs) um and Yeah, and I'll and I'll detour past one of your clients, which is a winery up there, and grab a few bottles, and uh, we can sit I've down. Got, I've, I've got a couple of wineries that I work with here. Yeah. 
Um, thank you so much for your time, Maureen. And I said the patience with all the technology problems that we've had. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Um, what's the best way if they want to know more about how you can help them? Oh, look, I think the thing is that either connecting with me on LinkedIn um, and, you know, just sending a message through LinkedIn is a really great medium or um, just getting onto my email. And um, so we can, um, at, it's inquiries at moreenkind.com.au. We can post that up on the, um, on the conversation. But LinkedIn is a really great way to get in touch with me and I respond to those requests within 24 hours. Um, or one of my girls does that for me. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I will always will share those links on my website so that people got easy access to um, your website and your email address and LinkedIn, etc. But thank you so much and take care. And uh, I hope someday we can actually um, not be in a crisis, but we can <laughs> um, actually feel some of the calmness. So thanks, Maureen. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You have an awesome day. Will do. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Jump on my website, JeanetteCreamore.com.au, the resources page, and download the Leveraging Insights workbook. It has over 50 tips from the first year of the show's episodes. It's a great online learning tool for you and your team. Until next time, keep smiling.